that you're hearing, they, they belong to our next guest, Simona Castricum. Uh, now she's a musician and an architectural scholar, a, a PhD in architecture, in fact, uh, last year from the University of Melbourne, uh, a work which explored gender non-conforming and queer spatial production in the city. And that track you just heard is one of 10 songs that form part of the PhD's soundtrack. Uh, she's in Sydney for World Pride and has carved out some valuable time to, to speak to us amid a, a busy event schedule. Dr. Simona, welcome. Thank you. Do you like the doctor bit? Oh, it, I'm just getting used to it, actually. <laughs> um, it's pretty new. So, uh, yeah. But it, no, I, it looks good on me, you know. It, uh, it, it suits you, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we begin just with a. a, a a look back, snapshot here, your, your own sense of, of, of queer space. Did you have a formative queer space growing up? Yeah, I did. And it came about through music and it's something that's been with me all my life since childhood. It's been interesting through the PhD to unpack these different spaces mm. as to where they've been. So obviously, like as a kid, it was like, you know, it was it was like sitting down and, and watching TV, watching shows like Countdown through music videos. Like I would see gender nonconforming people in the late 70s and, and early 80s. So people like Sylvester or like Boy George, Grace Jones, Annie Lennox. And it was like right under the watch of my parents, you know, at the dinner table during primetime <laughs> TV in the lounge room. And it's kind of like this domestic space that's like the first <laughs> sort of place where my my formative trans map starts to evolve, you know. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's such an interesting observation, that, that thing under your parents' watch. <laughs> such, that, that's yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like you'll be watching an interview with Grace Jones on like, you know, the 7.30 report or something like that, and, and they've got no idea that we're just sitting there like taking it all in. <laughs> As you began to explore your life, your sense of self, how did that sort of evolve spatially? Yeah, well, I guess uh, through studying architecture in the mid-90s, um, I was always really interested in how could I insert my gender and sexuality into the work that I'm doing. And, you know, we become aware of what I call or what's called, I guess, these cognitive maps that we build as we, um, as we try and understand our own cities and we try and understand uh, our own neighbourhoods and we try and find community. And I guess like, you know, I was doing it particularly through the music scene. So through the 90s it was, you know, for, through rave culture and through nightclubbing culture. And then when I started to make music myself of finding community and finding like-minded souls, I guess, you know, who were queer and, and trans in that way. Um, so, yeah, that was, um, that's how it sort of come through my, my creative practice and how architecture and music has come together. Well, tell us about that. I mean, the, the idea of a, a PhD with a soundtrack, for example, is, um, that, that strikes me as an interesting notion. How do these things come together in, in your practice? Yeah, well, it's this very, I guess I look at alternative 
practices to architecture. And, you know, in, in architecture we talk about rendering worlds and building worlds and, um, you know, and, you know, it takes – you know, it takes some very radical ideas to, to, you know, to kind of imagine queer worlds and trans worlds. And so I use music as a methodology or a way, I guess, of trying to create these worlds and trying to unpack the politics or trying to unpack identity and um, try and articulate my lived experience as a trans person. So, you know, writing a, writing an album to, you know, a PhD is very much similar to coming up with a soundtrack to a movie. <laughs> a very good analogy. Uh, the people, there would be people who would say that that in that conversation around sexuality and gender, that that architecture is is a neutral bystander. What would you say to that? Well, architecture actually creates the gendered spaces, and uh, that that we, you know, that that we inhibit every day. You know, architecture plays such a significant role uh, in in these spaces, um, and so genders inscribed upon people just simply through the way that um, this sort of binary notion of of male and female, and it's a very very normative way of of being. Um, and that works disproportionately against trans and gender diverse people and gender non-conforming people. And it's a way that, that gender is administered and that, that informs how our built environment comes along. So it's actually complicit in those administrative systems um, that, that are the overarching uh, part of, of the world that we, that we live in. And, and architecture is just one silo, you know, that, that, that brings these together, whether it be in the justice system or the health system or the education system. But architecture is about how our worlds are designed and those biases actually find themselves into those designs. To quote you to, your, to yourself, you said a safer space doesn't look like anything. It feels like something. I think that's... Uh, that's beautifully put, and especially on that that question of of how architecture works here, because I think we're all very used to the notion that a, that a building a space can make us feel. I mean, that that's the intent of architecture is to provoke um, an emotional or a feeling response. Yeah. So yeah, that that can absolutely. be for good. That can be for you know social positivity. When I, well, when I look at architecture, you know, I look about how a space makes me feel because, you know, these become archives um, that we carry around with ourselves. Now, like a space can, you know, can evoke any, um, any feeling anywhere from, you know, delight and joy, you know, to, um, to, to trauma, uh, you know, or, or to, you know, like a whole range of things. And so if there's a space that we go to where we've, we've felt traumatised by on a regular basis, that's a space that we might avoid, whereas there are spaces that we would go to that we find enjoyment in, and that's a space that we'll go to more regularly. So I'm interested in how we can change, I guess, some of those archives and, and turn them into more joyous spaces and, and more spaces of, of better experience. Well, you, you, you're particularly interested in joyful, euphoric spaces for, for gender-diverse people. I mean, architecturally, what, what do those spaces feel like? How do, what do they look like? There's so many great precincts around the world. Mm. 
um, that are made up of, you know, bars and restaurants and, you know, and nightclubs and like a whole lot of things where that's where pe- queer people come together and they're sort of made up of these wonderful underground economies, you know, where that's where that's where drag happens, that's where performance happens, that's where dancing happens, that's where people come together and, you know, to fall in love and to form relationships or, um, you know, to hook up as well. So, you know, these are the sort of spaces that I, I think are worth celebrating. Is there something in in exploring that aspect of your life and exploring architecture and that, that sense of of making something solid, of, of, of giving something lasting effect. Yeah, well, are those two like, things related in some way? Well, there's there's three things in my PhD that, that I, I sort of try and refer to, which is safety. And when I talk about safety, I talk about, you know, just, you know, feeling feeling safe and, and you know, feeling like I'm not going to be in harm's way. Um feeling belonging, belonging in that like I belong to a community, that I belong to, I guess, a, a, you know, a chosen family um, and also permanence. And when I talk about permanence, I talk about the permanence of rights and that, um, you know, trans people are still fighting for our rights in, you know, in different ways around the world and around the country as well um, and that those rights are something that won't be rescinded or won't be taken away from us. We've seen around the world that if there's a change of government or a change of regime is that sometimes those rights mm. can be stripped back or taken away or that or that in in the media there's been you know a lot of debates and you know what's happening in the United States around bills that are on the table. It was actually quite frightening um, for trans and gender diverse people. So you know it, it's um yeah, it's. Uh, I think these are things that are really worth holding on to and fighting for. Well, and you're not afraid of of getting involved into the nitty gritty, sort of formal processes of these things. You you previously you, you've tried to get the office of the Victorian architect, for example, to lobby around building codes to provide accessible spaces for for trans and gender nonconforming people. I mean, that's that's long, complicated. <laughs> I suspect sort of punishingly frustrating work. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a discussion that hasn't gone too far, um, uh, and you know I think it's it's really up to talk about that as best I can on as as, as many you know as many panels <laughs> as, <laughs> as 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 I can talking the um, talk, but it's you know and uh, it, but it's it's more it's more than a conversation about bathrooms. Um, there are, you know, there's a there's a lot more uh, places that that we need to talk about. Uh, we need to talk about airports. We need to talk about schools. We need to talk about prisons. We need to talk about how these spaces disproportionately affect the lives of trans and gender diverse people. And um, we know we need to be careful about the systems which are being built into these places, particularly around things like biometrics and and surveillance, which you know, have a, 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 a really, you know, deep impact upon us. And yet if, if you know, the, the ongoing conversations about something as, as just, just fundamental and obvious as bathrooms suggests there's, there is so much to be done here and so much to sort of raise that, that sense of awareness and, and, and practical solution. 
Well, yeah, bathrooms just seems to me like a cisgender anxiety. I think transgender people behave quite well in bathrooms. Um, yet it's it's a conversation that's constantly presented to us mm. um, and we want to get further into, you know, birth certificate reform uh, or, <laughs> you know, into, you know, like, like really basic rights like you know, access to, to, to better health care or to Medicare. Um, these, are, these are the things that trans and gender diverse people, um, you know, really want on the, on the table as the conversation. How important is it, given that, that, that big conversation, how important are th- big events, mega events like World Pride when it, when it comes to the creation of, of queer space? Well, I mean, I'm up here at World Pride at the moment to talk about some of these issues, so I guess it, it provides that platform to, to do that. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, I, I guess it re- sort of remains to be seen. You know, there's a lot of partying happening as well. So there's a lot of celebration <laughs> of, of joy and, and, you know, and, and all of those things as well. It's like, you know, the euphoria and, um, and celebrating community. But at the same time, you know, pride is about resistance and it's about protests and that's where, what it was born out of. So for me, that's still really at the heart of pride for me because there's still so much that we're fighting for. Dr. Simona, thank you so much. Thank you. Simona Castricum, a musician, architectural scholar. Uh, now, she's performing at Sydney World Pride's Ultraviolet. That's a, a night celebrating LGBTQIA plus women on Friday, March 3rd. Uh, it is sold out. <laughs> but uh, th- th- there may be uh, alternative paths to tickets. Best of luck with that. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.